As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. As I'm sure you are aware at this point, uh, during this social distancing shelter in place period, uh, we've been we've expanded our our typical content. So, in addition to the normal weekly sportsman drag racing podcast episodes that you have come to depend on, uh, we've also been loading to this feed uh, some of the live chats that we have been hosting on thisisbracketracing.com, or I should say on the This Is Bracket Racing Facebook page over the course of the last month, including some of our popular story time segments, uh, in addition to uh, the new Throwback Thursday segments. We'll have more of that to come um, specifically during this time period where I think that uh, many of us are looking for some type of pleasant distraction, some type of reminder of the joy and the camaraderie and community of uh, the racetrack. And that's something that we're all missing right now. So to that end, uh, we also wanted to throw up this uh, discussion, which went on the This Is Bracket Racing Facebook page uh, just a few days ago. This was actually hosted by my co-instructor within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, Justin Lamb. And in this interview, Justin sits down for a little uh, story time type presentation with none other than Peter Biondo. What, uh, what these two combined for, what, a dozen NHRA World Championships and a ton of racing knowledge, but we just kind of throw all of that aside. These guys are longtime friends, and uh, that comes through in this conversation, and they just kind of kick back and, uh, and share some fun and entertaining stories of years past, and uh, these guys, they, they touched on a lot of different things as we go, I mean, from parenting to accusations of cheating to uh, stories about Vertozzi and Harrington and the Dominos and Kyle Seipel and uh, you name it. Like, this is fun. It's, uh, it's worth your time. So without further ado, I will shut up and allow you to enjoy uh, Peter Biondo and Justin Lamb. All right, cool. We're on now. I'll just let a few people get on and then we'll get going. All right. Um, Sounds good to me. How's things in Vegas? As you can imagine, pretty uh, weird, like more than anything, but uh, just, you know, everything's shut down. And like, I went to the grocery store the other day, which we're trying to really go like once every couple of weeks, but like everybody's wearing masks, which is just like, I actually, there was like a buddy in there. And he like bumps me on the shoulder, but he's got like a mask on. I'm like, who the hell just bumped me on the shoulder? And then like, it took me a second to like try to figure out who it was, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't even tell. It's like they got handkerchief kind of things, masks around here now. And all you can see is their eyes. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty crazy. 
All right, cool. Well, let me see. Uh, yeah, we already got people on. So, all right, well, I'm going to go ahead and get started here. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Peter Biondo is joining us today for a little bit of story time. And uh, he's, uh, I guess, in the sportsman drag racing world, uh, one of the best to ever do it, or pretend, maybe even, uh, I'd argue, the best to ever do it. But uh, welcome, Pete. And how uh, how's everything going in New York right now? Well, Justin, things, uh, just like everywhere else in the country, is uh, a lot of uncertainty going on. And it's crazy, man. I mean, it's um, New York, I think, differs a little bit in the respect that usually, I guess it's all relative, but I'm used to seeing cars and people all over the place. I mean, and we live right outside New York City, which is in Queens, New York. So it's considered a suburb, but it's from, you know, houses are connected and it's you're right on top of each other. So we're used to seeing so many people, so many cars. You take a walk now with your kid down the block and it's just like a ghost town. It feels like the Twilight Zone. Yeah, it's a, it's funny here, obviously the strip is that way. And now the strip is like completely closed. But what's weird is in our neighborhood is the opposite because people can't go out and do things. So like our neighbor, I've seen more people walking in the last month or riding bikes or kids outside playing like that normally isn't the normal here, but it is now because nobody has anything to do. Right. So everybody right. like, it's almost more interaction, but. And, and I'll tell you one thing, and you can relate to this better than anybody. Um, I give a lot more respect to to the to the mothers of the world um oh. to the wives of the world i mean um being home with emily so my day pretty much consists of um so beyond the racing we only have a few people at work in in the building um so i do come into the office and it's only me my cousin richie de lorenzo my brother sal and then rich Schreiner uh works remotely so we are staying safe and all that stuff um but um i try to stay at home for half a day help with the kids and come into the office or I work upstairs. And uh, man, I mean, being in the house, I, I, I say this in lightly, but being trapped in the house with two young kids, holy moly, man. Uh, God bless Emily and, um, and Janine. Yeah, it's, uh, it was pretty funny that you mentioned it today. So yesterday, Janine had to actually go into work, which she hasn't had too much because everything's going on. Her work's like really slow. And she works from home normally anyway and just goes in like one or two days a week but she hasn't even had to do that. So now she had to actually go in. So I'm like, no, just keep the kids here. She's like, are you sure I can take them with me? And I'm like, no, 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 just leave them here. It'll be fine. Like two hours in, I'm like, yo, I can't get anything. I literally am texting her. Like, I can't get anything done. I'm just going to work tonight. Right. Like, oh, forget getting anything done. Oh, she, uh, I'll just leave it at this. This is a good way to describe it. She, I had them for one hour the other night. I decided to take them down the blocks, uh, him on his scooter and she's walking. Within one hour, he falls on his face. He's crying. He's got uh, burns, uh, cement burns down his leg and his hip. Uh, I turn around. Olivia has uh, my daughter, who's just turned not even three yet. She goes, I got to do pee-pee. Rips her pants down and starts <laughs> peeing in the middle of the sidewalk. He's crying. She's peeing. And I'm like, holy, Essie, I don't know if she's ready to PG or what, but holy shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, I mean, that was one, that was one hour, but uh, anyway, why, why don't we talk about um, how you and I first met? Um, yeah, you're going to, you, you just yeah. want to embarrass the hell out of me, but all right, let's do it. Uh, well, we'll start there. You know, I'm, I'm pulling a Kyle Seipel here. He usually likes to turn the tables around because he gets embarrassed. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how old you are. Though. You're going to have to help me with that. Um, I just, I think I would have. Mm. You, you were like 15, 16, right? Yeah, 14, I think 15, I must. I met. Yeah, right at fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. Yeah, you you were a punk. <laughs> you were a punk. You've uh, you've come a long way, my friend. All right, so um, this this is a story, and it's it's a good one. So this is how I first meet Justin. Where we uh, Philip and I, Philip Monteith, the car, the uh, my partner in the in the race cars. We traveled to Las Vegas. Uh, we're parked. Um, and Kyle Seipel is uh, staying in the front couch and I'm at home. And, um, you know, obviously Kyle and I at that point have been good friends for a while. And so what year is this roughly? I, it must be a 2000, uh, well, it had to be 2003 or four probably. Okay. Yeah. So we've been friends for, you know, almost 20 years at this point. Um, so. Which I don't know, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 pretty much uh, makes it the best. So, uh, I mean, the first day goes by. 
seven, you know, they start Vegas pretty early. I think they start like eight o'clock. I don't believe there's a curfew there, right? In no, the morning. no, no. Hmm. All right. So um, I hear like, you know, someone warming up a Supercom car, it sounds like. You kind of hear when it's a Supercom car with the open headers and everything. And uh, I'm, I don't, this is like 7.15, 7.30 in the morning and stock has, just hasn't been called yet. I'm like, all right, I just, whatever. Who the heck knows who it was. And it's right next to my freaking bedroom door, um, bedroom window. So um, anyway, another day goes by. I hear, this, I hear the same thing early in the morning, going through the gears and everything. So I'm like, who the heck is that? Uh, so I walk over and I don't say a word. I'm pretty much myself. I just kind of look and it's, uh, I see this kid, Justin Lamb, you know, kind of looked a little cocky, but kind of, you know, he's fit, typical 15, 16 year old. Um, so uh, I don't say anything, just mind my own business. Later on that day, um, he comes up to me. No, oh, so I walk back into the motorhome. I said, Kyle, who the heck is this guy? He, I'm like, he's warming up his car like 7.30 in the morning. I said, I mean, I haven't even seen him leave his pit area in a day, the whole day yesterday with, with the car. He goes, no, nah, he's not racing. He's just warming it up or something. I don't know what he's doing. He's, he's goofy. He's a goofy bastard is, is I think what he said. So uh, I, I, later on that day, Justin comes up to me and this is our first meeting. He says, uh, he says, yo, and he has no idea that I know Kyle. Um, and we're just, a, we're probably best friends at this point. He goes, yo, he goes, all like uppity. He's like, who, do, you know, this Kyle Seiper guy, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta do something about this. You know, you should maybe, maybe you should um, try to pair up with him on a ladder because he's, uh, he's, he's really, did you see what he wrote on, uh, did you see what he wrote on his entry list? So uh, he goes, he wrote, Justin says, he wrote the Beyondo Killer on his entry list. He wrote Beyondo Killer. Uh, he's, he's out to get you, man. Like, uh, you know, what, what, what's with all of this? So I'm like laughing. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. He doesn't, he doesn't know that Kyle, Kyle will do something like that on the entry list. He writes Beyondo Killer. He write, you know, he goes, yeah, and on his back window, it says Hatari Hunter. You know, he's riding up to the stadium lanes with Hatari Hunter, which was the name of my superstar car. So what was he driving? He was driving the uh, the blue flame, they called it. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. The one that Scarlett and, and Steve Williams had. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was just so funny because Justin had no idea the whole dynamic of it. And then you fast forward 20 years later and we're all racing together. And meanwhile, I'm talking crap about Justin in the motorhome. Justin's talking crap about Kyle. <laughs> I had to settle you down, by the way. I was like, it's all right, man. He's he's. I think he's just messing around. He's kidding. Right. Uh, well, that was the first time I met you. Yeah, it was pretty funny for sure. And it is uh, it is funny that it's come like full circle, and now we do we all race together, have a blast. It's good friends, yeah. whatever. So. Yep. Twenty years later, and and here we are. Yep. What if we uh, what if we switch gears? I don't know if you want to talk about uh, the first time you met Kyle, or or maybe uh, tell us some stories like growing up, like you and your father, your brother. I, obviously, you guys all raced at like what uh english town um however you want to go what, what yeah direction? all right so um yeah we raced at english town we raced in our uh on our station so you had a 16 second station wagon we towed my father's 69 firebird on an open trailer we would unhook get to the track unhook and uh when we were old enough to race i would run the station wagon um and then when i was old enough to race i would but so that was uh that was that was a jack of all trades station wagon it was like a grocery getter uh it had a 455 buick engine in it um but i i think probably when when you talk about raceway park and you talk about my father um you know i, I have one story that stands out um now you got to remember this is in this is in a different time if this happened in this time if things probably would be different probably be lawsuits or, or whatnot but um so my father was, let me preface it by saying my father was always very over, overprotective of us, if, if anything. He was, uh, so my mother passed away when I was a few days old and my father raised a three-year-old, a two-year-old and an infant, myself. And so give him a little slack because he was very overprotective of us with, with all of that being said, uh, growing up. Um, and he was from Sicily. He was born in Sicily. He was old school. If he believed in something, he... He, he followed through, you know, that was it. Um, so one day we're at the track and of course my father. Um, oh, I want to interrupt you for one minute. Think, think yeah. about that. Like you went on a one hour walk with the two kids. He had to do that 24 hours a day with three of you. <laughs> oh, tell me about it. I have yeah. so much more respect for him now. 
It's crazy. Uh, now that I have kids and uh, without a doubt. Um, so my father was winning, winning quite a bit. Um, and it was pretty cool. Well, it was pretty cool growing up. We would bring our, we would come home with the, with the station wagon, the open trail, a car would be out and on the open trail, all neighborhood kids would run up. Did you win? Did you win? Did you win? Yeah, he won. Oh, he won again. Yeah, great. And it would be cool. And I, I did get pissed off once because uh, he won like four weeks in a row. And, and then one week he got semifinals and the kid goes, yo, you didn't win. And I had, to, I was like 10. I was like, yo, you don't understand. Like, you got to beat 80 people. You, you don't just beat one person. Like, <laughs> so I had to like kind of explain you have to win many rounds. But um, yeah, growing up in Queens was was pretty cool in that regard. All the kids gathered around the car when you when you got home. Um, but anyway, so he was winning quite often, um, and he was doing it on a shoestring budget, uh, which was very impressive. Um, what was the uh, racing back uh, so, then? Like, was it was it bottom ball racing or what was it? It was bottom ball racing. Yeah, yeah, it was all bottom ball. This is this is probably I think I was probably about thirteen. It was probably mid eighties. Okay. Um, right before they, I think late eighties is early nineties when they started switching over the top ball there. So we're at the track and the announcer, um, says something about kind of insinuated in a backwards way that my father is cheating, like in, in so many words, um, you know, of course, anyone who's winning gets accused. So, so I look at my father when they said it and he's putting gas in the car and, um, I see his, I see his face kind of get tense. I'm like, oh, I don't know where this is going to go. Cause I've seen it before. I've seen it on a highway. I've seen it. <laughs> so uh, anyway, about five minutes go by and they said, super pro to the lane, blah, blah, blah. Um, we'll see who wins today. The points chase is getting tough. And, uh, and then he made a more flagrant comment about my father cheating. So uh, my father who was about to walk into his car, closes, slams the door and he starts walking up to the tower and I'm like all right I, I'm, I, I'm gonna just follow I'm riding my bicycle around I said I'm just gonna follow him so I follow him up to the tower as we get closer to the tower he's walking faster and faster and I'm like all right something's going on get by the time we got to the stairs of the tower I'm behind him he's running up the tower um now remember the announcers just called him a cheater basically for like the second time that day probably third or fourth time um and it wasn't lewis bloom by the way who was he was one of the announcers yeah, but it wasn't him um my father opens the door he runs up the stairs of the tower doesn't say anything opens the door and just he was he was a lefty and just cold cocks him right the guy's in the middle of announcing right off of the right off of the stool the announcer stool the guy lands on the floor uh the security guy who was in the tower grabs my father my father's like come on give me one more shot one more shot i remember it like it was yesterday um but back then you know he did what he believed in and he didn't like the fact that they were saying that and we were hearing it it was more probably about protecting us but you do that now forget about it you know you'd probably be in jail but back then it was no big deal he just got back in his car and raced that day how did he do did he win the points uh i don't really remember that part um no he, he did really well over the years, um, but the, that story uh, stands out. Um, he, one other story about him that stands out um, is uh, probably when he, he told me this story um, because I was real nervous when we opened up the gates at one of our spring flings and we didn't have, we didn't have a, um, much of a line. It was one of the early ones. And he told me about it when he had a disco club uh, he said, I, he goes, let me tell you the story about a disco club uh, that I had. He goes, the line was really, you know, a couple of people. I panicked because I hired a band. Uh, by 11 o'clock, the line was around the block. Uh, he goes, so don't worry, be patient. It's usually when they come, they come in, in, uh, in group, big groups. Uh, but again, going back to this day and age, he tells me the story that um, it was a, he was successful for a couple of weeks. And back then, the mafia was, was around a lot. Uh, so, um, just thought you might find this interesting because it's just something from a different day and age. Uh, so the third week he's opened up, he tells me, you know, he's got people flocking in the doors and everything's going great. And a couple of guys in a suit come in and they say, we want to talk to you in the back room. Um, they basically put a gun to his head and said, I want 10% of, and what I, I this is the way they worked the mafia back then. I want 10% of whatever you got, whatever you make. And I'll watch over your club, make sure nothing happens to you. Yeah, right, whatever. So uh, anyway, he, he really had a gun to his head. And my father was such a tough guy and still is a tough guy. 
um, that my father said, no, um, you, you're gonna, you're not getting anything. I work too hard for this. Uh, wow. it, it could have turned really bad. Luckily, my father knew some people that knew some people and they squashed the whole thing. But yeah, so just a little story about how things were different back then. And, and uh, I thought you might find that interesting. Yeah, that is crazy. Totally different world for sure. But uh, yeah. I think Vegas had a little bit of that back in the day, obviously way before my time, but similar. Yeah, before. Vegas. Well, that's where that's where you got transported, basically. <laughs> if you were in New York and you, and you had to be out of sight, out of mind, that's where they pretty much put you back then. Yeah, that's crazy. So what about uh, your start race? If I'm not mistaken, that same station wagon is what you and Sal got going in, right? Yeah, yeah. Me and Sal got going in that. We did, uh, we did, I would run in, once we were of age, I would run it set. We would tow to Akko on Saturday. I, we would unhook his car. I would run it um, on Saturday. He'd run it on Sunday. Um, yeah, we did. We did well with it. Uh, I mean, we definitely got our money's worth out, out of it for sure. And that was one thing about my father. He was always, you know, people always thought he was cutting edge, everything, you know, had the best. He, he probably had below average stuff for, for the time back then. Um, but yeah, so we grew up doing that. Then we started traveling. Um, uh, I, you know, I was doing real well at English Town. I figured let's let's start traveling. I want to I want to make uh I want to, I don't know, I was just kind of getting bored, I guess, being, racing the same people, the same at home all the time. Uh, met Anthony Bertozzi, which I can, t and Jim Harrington actually introduced us, which I can tell so many stories about Anthony Bertozzi, but I can't tell, I don't think any of them I could say without getting anyone in trouble because they're all rated R <laughs> at least. Uh, but let me just go on record to say He's a great guy. He keeps himself pretty much, but he's a great guy. He's one of the funniest, if not the funniest guy in the world. But um, one story you might remember, and you might have to help me with this uh, when we started traveling. I was in, went to Seattle. Um, it was, I don't remember if you, how involved you were with this, but I know you're going to remember it. Seattle, Washington, national event. Um, don't remember the year. Going to call Wait, a, a car. I'm going to call it 15 years ago. Well, I was, I was driving for Philip, the Atari car. Um, you were, you were racing back then. It was probably 15 years ago. So um, it's raining for like a day and a half and everyone's getting stir crazy, kind of like we are now. Um, and uh, Kyle says, let's go out, let's go shoot some pool. Um, I'm like, all right. Um, we don't have a car though, but we'll, let's get a car, whatever. He goes, ah, right, I'll be right back. He comes back, and I'm going to leave the driver out of this. <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> he comes back, and I, I will leave the driver out of this because it's pretty serious at some, at, um, to some points. You're missing but, a really big part of this. What's that? What, You're missing what, a big part of this. That ahead. was the second rental car of the weekend. The first rental car, we went to that go-kart track, and it was a huge puddle, and I drove to the middle, and it fried the engine, remember? Oh, okay. So that's why we were down a car. That makes sense. Because <laughs> as I'm saying this, I'm like, why didn't I have a rental car? All right, well, there you go. Yeah. So you, you screwed up the first rental car. Well, <laughs> that was nothing. Just hold on. So this, so 20 minutes later, Kyle comes in a passenger seat. This guy's leaning on his one, radio blast. Let's go. Come on, let's go. We're going to play some pool. The Buffalo shirt. What's that? The Buffalo shirt. He had that button-up shirt with the buffaloes on it. Is that what he had? He definitely was. I mean, yeah. Kyle will remember. He loved that shirt. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> um, is he still around? Yeah, oh, yeah. He is? All right. Well, anyway. Um, so I don't remember we who exactly came. I think. I know Craig Treble came. Yeah. Um, Kyle, were you in the car with us? No, I was. I was back, and then you guys called me after it happened to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving it away now. <laughs> all right, but that's it's all good. So so we go play pool, and on the way there, like I can tell this guy's the driver's kind of he's got Craig Treble, me, and Kyle in a car, and I think it was somebody else, and he's kind of showing off a little bit, like you know, you guys can, I could just tell like you guys win championships and races on on the straight track. I you know, watch me drive, I, you know, and he was talking about some, how he used to drive, you know, uh, a different sort of racing and how he, he was trying to show off in front of us. There's no doubt about it. Uh, well, when we were getting to leave, we get to, we leave the pool hall. I don't know. It might've been one in the morning, two in the morning. And um, it's raining. It's still pouring rain out. This guy, I mean, we get in the car, he starts falling ass. 
And I'm like, yo, dude, slow down, man. It's wet out. Just take it easy. He's like, yeah, hey, you don't know what nothing about this stuff, Biondo, do you? And he's like, you know, wiggling a wheel around trying to scare me. I said, I do. I, I want to I want to race tomorrow. All right. Just take it easy, man. Um, we get closer to the track and his his um, trying to impress us was getting his need to try to impress us was getting stronger and stronger. I could tell now he's, you know, doing a little fishtail, this and that. I said, yo, slow the F down, man. Like I'm getting pissed. Like anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I've only been in Seattle once, but I do remember there's a big, it's kind of like a mouth opening where you turn into the track. Well, he's going like 50 miles an hour into this, into this opening. Kyle's sitting to the left of me. Someone else is sitting next to Kyle. Trouble's in the front. Um, 50 miles an hour and he I'm like dude the track he pulls the e-brake he's we're going 50 miles an hour spins into the track we spun around I don't know how many times next thing I know we're going backwards I said oh shit and flipped over we ended we flipped over rolled over into a, some gully or ditch and we're upside down in the ditch um I look over of course who you know I'm, the back window shattered Kyle's got blood all over him. I'm like, how am I going to explain this? Like, you know, I mean, it was just out of control. So second, second rent the car down the tubes and we I have just, blood and war, war stories and uh, hospital visits. I remember uh, being in the motorhome and I'm like totally asleep and I get a call from Kyle. I always have my phone on. Right. I'm like, ah, oh, he's fucking drunk calling me. I'm not answering that. He calls again. I don't answer. I'm like, no, he's just going to call and screw with me. You know, like I'm back in bed. Well, then I find, then you called me and I'm like, all right, something must be serious. And I just remember he's like, listen, go get a rental car, like find one and drive out the gate. And I just remember coming around the corner and there's just fire trucks and these huge like stage lights like, pointing to this ditch and the car down in the ditch. And Kyle was probably, I mean, he had walked a good like half a mile into the track when yeah, I saw with, him. And, with blood coming down him, yeah. Oh yeah, dude, we had to go to the hospital, get stitches, like, oh yeah. I, I had to drag him out of the car. That wasn't easy. The whole back glass was shattered. It was, it was pretty, I mean, I wanted to, the guy who was driving, um, man, it was a, it was a, a moment for sure. For his say, I mean, he did feel terrible and like, I mean, whatever. I mean, obviously it was just a, supposed to be a fun night that didn't end up so fun, but he, he uh, it wasn't malicious. He was totally like, I think he's a good dude. He just was trying to have yeah. fun and had too much fun, you know? Yeah, he, he definitely, uh, he was a good dude, but uh, he definitely crossed a line and, and, you know, uh, me being, pro I was definitely the most conservative guy in the car. I mean, I'm hollering at him and everyone else is just like, yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that might've been the year um, we met. Was that the year? Because uh, I, I have a story about the Steven. Um, no. Nah. Was that the year Steven was on the Medicart? It was the year he was on the Medicart, but it's not the year we met him. But I don't okay. know. It, it'd take a minute for us to explain Steven to everybody that doesn't know him. <laughs> well, I got I can't really, I don't even still understand him a hundred percent, but I will tell you, he's, he's an older fella that Kyle met in, um, in California, lives like 20 minutes from Kyle and, um, you know, didn't have much going on in his life. What is he like? 60 years old. He's like, like 60. That. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, but all, we, all I found out was, you know, we kind of took him under our wing a little bit. Um, we gave him like a, um park and pass um like we would we would help him we would help make his life easier so he can participate in national events and um we would uh get him a rent a car we would pay for his hotel sometimes um so anyway um one one time uh it reminded me of seattle because he, this guy loved attention um but this isn't this isn't probably the most yeah i got even a better one but he uh you know this is the type of guy who would go by on a Medicart when it was 99 degrees in Seattle and say, hey guys, look at me, I got heat stroke. Well, I got him strapped down in a Medicart with IVs probably in him, but he just loved attention. He, he, he just, I guess, didn't get attention at home or whatever and just loved attention. So the, the, one, the one part I remember was, I'm, we're in Vegas, I'm on your, one of your Zoomies. Yeah. So I'm ready to go up for, um, I'm ready to go up for an eliminator round for either you or Kyle. So I, I'm ready to go. He goes, Peter, Peter, I want to come. I want to come. I'm like, oh, man, I, no golf carts around. All right, all right, get on the back. He goes, so we start going. He goes, hold on. I want to I wanna say hello to John Force first. I'm like, dude, they're about to run. He goes, please, Peter. He's the type of guy who's relentless. So I just gave in. 
we go into pro pits. Now, because Grant, you were, were right in the middle of the pro pits. Um, he goes, no, go. So I stop. He goes, no, go that way. He's right over there, John Four. So he just wants to say hello to him. So I kind of lean. The guy was like dead weight. He was probably 200 pounds in the back and he was just dead weight. I'm not even moving. That's how slow we were going. Like just kind of just turning the wheel and dead weight. He just like, we, we just spill over. We just fall on the floor, both of us, just bam, right in the middle of the pro pits. Oh my God, man, you know, you know me. I don't like, I don't like attention, especially that kind of attention. Uh, so I'm like, uh, oh man. He's so totally I, embarrassed. No, I, what's that? You're totally embarrassed, like big time. Yeah, oh, <laughs> to the 10th degree. So I'm like, so I'm like, God, let me get on this bike. Let's just get out of here. Um, I get the bike up on a stand. I look down and here's Steven just laying there like this. I mean, just flat on his back, just like, you know, look like a crime scene. All of a sudden, all of the pro pits start gathering around. I mean, the entire, it, there had to be 150, 200 people just gathering around. Is he all right? Is he all right? Is he all right? I'm like, Steven, I know he's all right. I mean, there's no way. Then I'm like, well, maybe this, maybe it is head. I'm so Steven, Steve, I'm whispering, Steven, get up, get up. And he's not moving. He's just sitting there like this. And everyone's His like, eyes oh, ambulance. This guy's hurt. And um, I'm like, Steven, get up. Finally, like, I'm like, I, I whisper, Steven, can you hear me? And his little beady eyes, no one else saw it but me, his little beady eyes, just, I don't know if I could do this. He just kind of like, he was like this, pretending he was dead. And he just opened his eyes went, and had his little smirk and then closed him again. Just to, just to show me that he was messing with us to get attention. But yeah, that's probably one of the best uh, Steven stories we have. And uh, probably, one, probably about the most embarrassed I ever was in yeah. the pits of a racetrack. Absolutely, yeah. Steven, like, He's been in like more winter circle pictures than I think anybody ever like with the pros with the everything. I mean, he just, he was like that guy that just walked around the pits all day and uh, took pictures with anybody that would, that would let him. And it was yeah. definitely a different guy. Yeah. He was, uh, I mean, a lot of people who went to national events knew Steven. I mean, he was, he was, wow, it's raining hard here. He was, uh, he was up in, in every, everywhere, wherever the camera was. Yeah. What about, uh, switch gears like back to racing for a minute what about and i this is really really vague to me i do remember it was a time when like a 50 grander was like a huge event but uh tell me about the season that uh did you win two or three 50s in like one year but this was like whatever 15 years ago right like a long time ago when when winning 10 grand was a big deal you would you would won like multiple 50s in a year tell me about and i remember your dad going back to your father a little bit i think after you won like the the second or whatever it was he like didn't say good job or nothing it was just make sure you get the the taxes right right something like that yeah yeah well yeah because he didn't come racing with me that often at that point but it was the year 2000 it was probably one of my one of my best years because um I, I won the world championship in Superstock and and I won two to 250s one at Cecil and one at uh ACO back to back within like six weeks of each other um but um yeah but that that we laughed Kyle and I laughed that about stuff like that because that's how our fathers were that I guess Kyle says yeah that that's how he's showing you he loves you by you know uh because I after I won the second one he, he uh no good job no no nothing he goes hey get get uh he goes make sure you write that in the business name because the business sponsors the car blah 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 and I'm you know I'm all excited I could give a crap what what name the check goes in at this point <laughs> but uh yeah that's uh that's my father for you he was uh he was and he had walkie-talkies. That was he had walkie-talkies. He goes, Pete, we're gonna have walkie-talkies because, you know, you're gonna be in the pits. I'll tell you what the track's doing um, when you go up for a round. I'll tell you if it looks like it's slowing up or not, because you'll be busy. I said, all right. Well, after like the fourth round, I don't, I don't know what happened. You just forgot. You just stopped walkie-talking like that. How's it looked that? We had like a 20-minute oil down. That how's it look? Heard nothing on the other end. But yeah, the two fifties were uh, were were pretty cool because uh, back then they, they were far, few and far between. Um, you were driving a dragster at that point. I was driving a dragster going eight twenties. Yep, um, which is really slow by these standards, but uh, it was on alcohol and it ran eight twenty, eight twenty one, eight twenty two a lot. Yeah, I hated uh, your alcohol, by the way. Yeah, you and Kyle. Just for the record, um, 
him and uh, Justin and Kyle used to have heated arguments on what's better, alcohol or gas. And I, <laughs> and I was, I was like right in the middle because the first twenty years of my life, my life, first twenty years of my racing career, I ran alcohol, and the last ten, I ran gas. Um, so I saw the bright spots of both. Uh, but yeah, they would go at it all the time with what's better, alcohol, gas. Yeah, all I remember is when you you sent your car to the to that uh, million dollar race in Memphis, and uh, I don't think I made it to the staging lanes, and I and I whatever you call it, like popped a float, like I think twice. I, had, <laughs> I was with some guy I didn't know. What? You were a mess. You yeah, never it, was ran, it was alcohol on the East Coast where the mornings were cold, and he didn't know how to start a car in alcohol. Yeah, he just well, like put it to the matter. Some he's popping my floats. By the time I got there. Oh, and he was hitting the nitrous like crazy. I'm on the plane watching, I forget what I was watching. If you, I forget how I was watching the event, but I was watching the event. And the, the event, you went like the fastest the cars ever went by like a tenth. So I, as soon as I got off the plane, I called you. I'm like, how the heck did you just, I would probably go like 478 or something back then. How did you just go 465? Oh, I, I got on a nitrous. I said, when? You said, as soon as I left the start line, I knew I was beat. So I had to do something. <laughs> yeah, you abused that. Was but like, I went around like that. Yeah. Yeah, you did win around, and you were uh, you were, <laughs> you were an aggressive young driver back then. And uh, but by the time I got the car, it was like I mean that was. But in all was, fairness, hold on a second. The fucking thing was out of nitrous, not because I used it so much, because you you didn't put a purge button in. You used the fuel toggle switch to purge the nitrous. So <laughs> yeah, it's being efficient. Yeah, if you <laughs> yeah, it's efficient, all right. You freaking flip the switch, and all the nitrous is gone because it just. <laughs> Well, you're not supposed to leave it on for for extended period. You gotta be, you gotta watch what you're doing. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was a mess yeah, between the, the it, floats it was, and the freaking out of nitrous. And I was with a guy I didn't know, like he's having to work on the car because I broke it, and it was a mess. Well, how do you think I felt? I just flew in to run the million, and I can't even get the car up to the staging lanes. I'm like, <laughs> it's, it's farting and spitting and pop, 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 and you know, I, I had it and me not being a very good mechanic. I, I just knew, all I knew was I kept saying, you pop the damn floats, you pop the damn floats. You were like, this alcohol sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, pro probably, I, um, you, we, got, we got to bring uh, Emily into, into this a little bit uh, and she's probably going to get embarrassed. Um, I remember she was there that weekend. Uh, she was there, but uh, yeah, I wasn't. That was before. That might have been right when you guys had just started, started dating, dating. I think just started dating. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was when we first started dating. But after this weekend, um, this is this is a good story with Emily. Uh, this is when I, at this point, I knew I had to keep her. Let's put it that way. Um, in, in all in all um, in all realms of life, because uh, we started dating. Um, she was she supported me when I was chasing the championship and so she's like um she never she always kind of stood on the sidelines and and let me do most of the race and she's a very talented racer in in her own right but she moved up to New York and and uh she didn't race too much but we decided we're gonna let her run super gas in Bristol um like I said this is when I knew she at the beginning of this event I was a little unsure but by the end I knew she was a keeper uh so she's driving so in 2011 I won a super gas world championship in his car is Anthony Bertozzi's uh car all aluminum PAR engine uh 582 I mean it was fast it went like over 170 and it could be a little bit of a handful on certain tracks once in a while like if it was cold or something but I said in Bristol altitude she'll be fine you know I felt real good about it so the only problem, so we decided to let her run super gas in Bristol. So the only problem that I saw, like leading up to the event, was she was so used to running drags that she was struggling with a line lock burnout. So that was like the most pressing thing. I said, I know she can get down a track. I know she's good. You know, she made a few passes with it, but she was horrible with the line lock. Like she just didn't get it. Like um, so, uh, the whole way down, I said, I, I said, you drive for a couple hours. I'm gonna YouTube burnouts and I'm gonna show you like press the button, first gear, you know, pump up the brake, press the button, first gear, second gear, smoke, 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 6,500, you know, and you just go out, roll out of the trial. I mean, I'm, we're doing it over and over. By the time, I must've did it 200 times on the way there. She's like, I got it, got it. Um, she's like, I don't know why you're making such a big deal about this burnout. I'm like, well, you know, it's a national adventure first time. I just want you all your runs to count, you know? First run she makes, um 
she's a fir first um, time shot. She's, I remember like it with Jess, she's in the left lane. I'm kind of just on the side. The guy does a burnout. She kicks the gas a little bit. It goes like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, something broke. And so I look at it. I'm like, you're right. She's like, yeah, I'm right. I said, do it again. So now she rolls out like five feet. And I'm like, I, I lean in. I go to the start. One sec to the guy. Just give me one sec. I lean into the, to the cockpit and I said, what's going on? She goes, it's moving on me. I said, no, you got to just get on the gas. Like I said, I said, you know what? Back up three feet. And I had no three step in it, by the way, because I just didn't. Um, I said, back up. And, and then I said, stop right there. Now, just when you do this one, just put it to the wood. <laughs> she put it to the wood. She put it to the wood. This thing was bouncing off the high side chip. Uh, and not only did she put it to the wood, but it she did more than a pro stock burnout. She's out to 100 feet now. This poor guy that she's running in the first time run is sitting there pre-stage just waiting for us. So now I go up to the starter. I'm like, sorry, man. You know, just give her just give her a second. It's, you know, she's having trouble with the line lock. <laughs> anyway, she's at 100 feet backing up. But uh, she got it together. She made a decent run. Uh, her, her last time run, uh, I think it was his third time run. I didn't think we had a good chance at it because I remember um, she was like 038 red and 995. And I'm like, what the heck, man? The 60 foots were off. And um, so I wasn't feeling too good about our chances, but I'm like, you know what? She's having fun. She came here to have fun, you know. Um, we're going to give it our best. So I said, I'm thinking the only thing that could possibly be happening here is maybe she's lighter than I am and she popped out of the beams or something. And uh, so I decide I'm going to, I said, there's no way, I said, babe, there's no way you can go that red with that number in the box. Cause I know on a practice tree where we're both at, she had like 18 in the box, 20 in the box. Uh, so we end up, uh, I said, I'm bolting weight to the front and I'm lowering the chip. You're going to be fine. <laughs> uh, and I had no idea if that's what happened. I mean, she could have, I had no idea if it was popping out of the beans. It really shouldn't have because we had to stop on early. Um, but anyway, she's rolling down. I remember the first round, who she paired up with. With Kyle and I are texting back and forth about the weather and stuff. Uh, and granted, last run's 038 red, 995. And she's paired up with David Tatum, who's number two in the world and one of the better drivers in the country in Supergas. So I said, Kyle, what's the chances of, uh, of a beating Tatum this round? And we're all about percentages, right? He goes, uh, he goes, I'll, I'll give it 20, 20, 25%. I said, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty accurate. I mean, she's going to see this, but she knows about it. Anyway, she ends up beating Tatum and winning the whole race. That was the only time she ever won she ever ran super gas in, in her entire life in a national event. Yeah, that's cool. And I knew I wanted to marry her then. I think it was 2012. Um, I knew I wanted to propose to her because we were getting along really well. She already had moved in at that point. Um, and you know, I, I really like everyone's like, you should just propose to her now because I have one, two and super stock. You could do it right on there. But I was again, I'm not a big attention guy on that kind of stage. So I didn't do it. But anyway, the rest is history. We're married. Now we have two kids, two young kids. That's cool. What about uh, one thing that I think is really cool? Uh, people don't get to see you race like you've been racing a lot. Well, not a lot. You've been racing here a couple times a year at New Media Dragway. But uh, you've been racing that Firebird. What what's the story? And tell us about the Firebird now. Like I've obviously seen pictures, and I've seen. <laughs> I remember you sending me that big wheel you did in it. But uh, what's the history behind the Firebird, and uh, and and what like how is it now? Yeah. So so uh, again, my father was always pretty low budget. Um, that was his car. He ran Philip. It started when Philip Monteith um, bought it off the showroom floor in 1969. Um, my father actually ended up um, racing it because Philip was more a go fast guy. My father was more, I want to win. And they had a good partnership. Philip owned it. He drove it. Um, so from 60, from 1970 on, my father was driving it up until he got older and stopped driving it. And then he had it on, he had it on racing junk and uh, without even telling us about probably seven, eight years ago. Uh, I'm like, uh, dad, Someone just called up and said they were interested in the Firebirds on racing junk. There's no way you're selling that. What are you kidding? He had like 12 grand or something on racing junk. It had Ram Air 4 heads and all this good stuff. Um, anyway, so I convinced him to take it off racing junk. I want it. I'll buy it from you and Philip. So, uh, yeah, we, we took it over. We read same same paint job as 30 years ago. But we um, we actually uh, put a small block Chevy in it, which he was pissed off about because they're always Pontiac guys. But it's a pretty competitive car now. And uh 
we're having fun with it up at, at no media for sure that's cool yeah i remember you sending me a video i don't remember what the situation was but you had the shocks obviously too loose or something but it did like what like a wheelie to like the 330 or something right yeah it was it was crazy yeah yeah, yeah. um someone was on the sidelines taking a video of it and i didn't have wheelie balls on it at the time and a small block light in the front and it was dc yeah that was uh that was nuts but we've been having a lot of fun with that and it means a lot to me because it's uh you know kind of like fletch's deal with his car yeah. uh with his father always having that car this this is my father's car and uh you know i my father lives lives in the same house as us now and on the first floor and uh, i still you know i show him pictures and i want it a few times and, and it gets him gets his mood up so it's really cool that's cool um, I, but yeah I, new media is a new media is a good time uh the, the Domino family, uh, especially Bob Domino. I mean, you, again, if this similar to Potosi, if we if we could keep this, if I wasn't, if I could just let total loose, I can tell a lot of good stories about, especially Bob Domino. Um, but um, pro probably I'll, I'll I'll leave it this one because uh, I don't know what your time limit here is, but um, no, we've been going for a while. Um, you know, the flings we had a lot of highs and lows. Um, I mean, there's so many stories with the flings. Uh, I I could just remember the first the first fling. Um, we had four we had the forecast of and this is no joke. Eighty percent. Now this is Kyle and I first race ever, uh, guaranteeing twenty grands. Uh, forecast said eighty percent, eighty percent, ninety percent, eighty percent of rain. It might have been two ninety percent actually. It was bad. Uh, you know, we think we're invincible. We're, we're, we're going to run it. Like we, I didn't, it didn't even cross our mind to call it off. I, I mean, this day and age, if you saw that forecast, you'd be like, you know, maybe we should postpone it to another, you know, day. We don't want everyone traveling and go through all this. Well, we, we say, you know, we're running it. First fling ever at Bristol, 2010. We, um, I remember being in the, uh, this is one of the lows. Like I remember being in a hotel room in the Best Western with Emily and just could not sleep a wink. I said, it just hit me right then and there. I said, I'm looking at the forecast. I'm thinking about it as a racer. I'm like, who's gonna come? Like who the heck is gonna come to this event? I said, I, I, I woke her up. I said, I'm freaking out. I said, nobody's gonna come. I, I mean, we might get five cars. I'm, I'm like, you know, all, all this negative spin stuff, I'm starting to get, it's negative spin working on my brain there. So uh, she starts like trying to calm me down. And uh, I'm like, babe, all I want. And it wasn't so much about the money. It was more, we worked so hard. And I just wanted to show people what we what we could do. Um, five o'clock in the morning, I, I even went out five o'clock in the morning, walked over to the uh, highway and just prayed and said, please let me see a trailer or two, please. Like, I just, just want to see some hope here. I didn't see any. Uh, anyway, we, we, uh, we, we lost money, we, we, but we did have 170 cars and, and, and <laughs> case in point, it didn't rain one drop the whole weekend. Um, so I consider it a success in that respect that we were able to show our product. Um, but yeah, crazy, the forecast was that bad, it didn't rain one drop, but uh, the, the, one of the funniest parts of the fling has to, and it, and when you brought up uh, Domino, it um, it, it, spur, it uh, sparked my mind. So second or third year, now we're you know we're taking the brand very seriously, you know, and you know me, I'm you know I'm pretty serious about our brand, and you know I like to have fun, but the brand and the professionalism of it is is part of it as well. Yeah. Um, but Bob Domino comes um and and he's he's a really funny guy man and he gets on the mic and starts saying shit and you know what this guy thinks he's gonna win in that piece of shit you know that <laughs> like and i had to get him off the mic i mean you know it's on motor mania you know joanne and mark walter are, are messaging me um so we get him off the mic so sunday comes and uh this is probably the hardest i've left maybe in my life, Kyle and I, and we've laughed a lot at the flings. He says, uh, my father says, uh, Bobby's gonna run Vinny's car tomorrow. Uh, it's, you know, Saturday night. Bobby's gonna come run Vinny's car tomorrow. I said- Now, just for people that don't know, so Bobby is the father, correct? Yeah, Big, big Bobby's the owner of Demi uh, New Media Dragway. Okay. Uh, the sons are Al, Robert, and Vinny. You probably know Rob, you guys probably know Robin and Vinny. Uh, well, Vinny's 
killer racer. He's got a Camaro that goes, uh, I don't know, high fives in the eighth, maybe somewhere in there. So Bobby's Bobby wants to run it Sunday. And remember, it's Sundays. There's no time shots. Um, uh, he get so I'm like, no way is he getting in the car. Uh, he's never hit the top bulb before. He's raced before, but it's years ago. Um, you know, now never hitting the top. I look over. He's paired up with Aaron Vale. He's rolling down Sage. He's really buckled in. They're trying to figure out what to put in the box. He goes, just leave Vinny's numbers in. So I start cracking up laughing. I'm looking at Kyle like. We try, we get a little slap happy towards the end of the weekend because it's just, you're so strung out that you'll start laughing and just get, you'll get slap happy. So we're getting slap happy already. And he's four pairs back against Aaron Vale. So you're going to leave Vinny's delay. I said, what about the dial? He goes, uh, it's fine. <laughs> now, Bobby's a big guy. Vinny's a big guy. Bobby's a really big guy, uh, probably six foot six. Um, and uh, anyway, so I said, uh, you, you know, this guy, Aaron Vail, I said, so now I'm messing with him a little bit. I'm like, this guy just won a 20 grander. He's probably one of the top, top five best dual car guys here you're up against. Yeah, I don't give a shit. He says, anyway, goes out. I mean, you would have thought that uh, Scotty Richardson was in the car or Luke Bogacki was in the car. Did a perfect burnout. Uh, I mean, staged right. You heard, you, you sort of, the car lock in with the trans brake, brought the R's up a little bit. You saw his hand fly, matted it. There goes Veiled, here he comes. He goes a little closer to the center line. He had womp, womp, womp. He's double O dead on and Veiled was 10 and dead on. I mean, <laughs> when I saw the scoreboards light up and I was by the speaker, Kyle and I lost it. I mean, at our own race, we just fell on the floor laughing. We're on our backs laughing. Like that did, that did not just happen. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, that's Bobby Domino for you. So he's driving home with my father. Uh, this is this is really the story of the story. He's driving home with my father um, in a in a suburban. He he's telling everybody. My my father said he's telling everybody that he won the fling. He won first round, second round. He didn't even show up for. It. He didn't care. <laughs> he didn't want to even cut. He goes, I want, I want it. I I want, I want. It. That's all I want. Didn't show up the second round. Ends up uh, dead driving home. Um, this might be this might be the best story of the whole the whole part <laughs> this whole segment. Um, now Bobby's a big guy in his sixties, really big guy. My father at this point is probably 70, 75 years old, maybe. No, it was probably seventy seven years ago. Um, they're driving home. The truck not only the truck quits in the middle of the night. The suburban um, in the third lane. There's there's construction. It's pitch dark on a turnpike, and there's nowhere to pull over. And the truck just quit. So now they're stuck, pitch dark in the third lane because it's construction, no, nowhere to pull over. My father goes out. He's like, Bobby, get out of the truck. This is going to be dangerous. We got to just get out. He's like, no, we can't leave the truck. We've got too much stuff in it. We got, I don't want to leave the truck. I, uh, let's. So my father goes behind the, the uh, truck with his uh, cell phone and starts like with the light on, just, just so people, you know, that's so they could see him. They got no lights or anything on that truck, by the way. It's just dead. Um, my father's using his cell phone light to, so that nobody hits him as a caution. I kid you not, a bus is coming, and my father's not one to exaggerate. A bus is coming full speed down his third lane, and just misses them. I mean, you could my father, but my father's words were, "You could fit a playing card in between two. It shook the whole car, uh, shook the whole truck. Bobby's still on truck. My father." jumped over the guardrail when the when the um when the uh when the bus was coming he thinks bobby's at this point is maybe dead he thinks he doesn't know if he got hit because he jumped down and there's a gully like a ditch eight feet deep he's my father 75 years old in an eight foot ditch down there and when the smoke cleared my father's screaming bobby bobby <laughs> doesn't hear anything bobby and Bobby thinks my father's dead. He's going, Sammy, Sammy. Bobby gets out of the truck, the Suburban, gets his suspenders off and starts fishing them down to him and pulls him up the, uh, <laughs> pulls him up the, the, uh, the ditch. And they had to call a tow truck. They're all three, three wide sitting in front of the tow truck on the way home. They get home like five, six in the morning. Wow. Playing. My father said, I will never, ever go anywhere with that guy again on a trip. That's crazy. <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah that, that's a good one 
Yeah, for sure. It's been some fun times for sure. Well, I guess uh, I've taken enough of your time, I guess, but uh, I hope you guys stay safe over there. Um, more than stay safe, probably don't get too bored, huh? Yeah, well, with two little kids around, there's not much boredom going on. And we're, we're still um, shuffling, you know, the fling stuff with the dates. We're keeping an eye on all of that stuff. And uh, I know a lot of people have been asking. Um, we're, we're getting close to ironing out we, uh, the Vegas date, which, which is going to, um, which is really all we're waiting on. But with NASCAR and everything, you know, there's yeah. a lot of bigger things going on right now that we kind of have to wait on. Um, but we're, we're preparing. Um, Kyle is very resilient. He's still, uh, he just had an operation yesterday. He's on his draw. He's, 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 uh, I tell you what, he's proven time and time again, how resilient, how strong he can be. So let's keep him in our prayers and can't wait to see everybody at the flings and just out racing, just outside really. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't talked to Kyle today, but, uh, obviously yesterday he was still in good spirits. It was his birthday. You got to have surgery on his birthday, but, uh, he was, uh, yeah, he still seems super positive and uh, like he always is. And, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully there's good news out of this. So, yeah, yeah. The surgery was, was on his jaw was uh, based on, I think, because the radiation kind of did something to his jaw, all the radiation mm -hmm. he had. So, um, and then they, they took some scans and biopsies to see if he's in the clear and uh, we just need to pray. He's still in the clear, man. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's one of the best, most resilient friends I could have ever, could ever ask for. And, and, uh, Kyle, if you're watching this, uh, you got a lot of people, uh, thinking about you and, uh, want you to be healthy and, uh, want to see your smiling face out of the races. So let's keep this going. Yeah, absolutely. I feel the same way. Like, uh, I mean, both of you are two of my best friends and, and, you know, him in particular, I've spent so much time with over the last few years racing together. And I mean, there's nobody more positive. I mean, he, he really is like, the best candidate to get sick like this because he's so freaking positive. Like he will make the best of any situation and he'll make everybody, you know, everybody around him is always smiling and happy. And uh, it's what I miss the most, like him not being able to race me the last couple of years. Like I'm, I'm somewhat of a negative person, like, and, and he can just snap me out of it, you know, like, just come on, let's go. <laughs> he just had that no, personality to make. He can snap anybody out of it. He can meet yeah. a stranger. I can tell you when I was saying he can meet a stranger and just make them feel like he's your best friend. And as far as like a wingman, when we were like in our earlier years, when I was single, uh, he, I mean, the best wingman you could ever have in your life. I mean, yeah. he's, <laughs> he is just friendly. He's, 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 he's one in a million and uh, yeah. he's going to beat this. And uh, all this stuff is, doesn't seem like it right now. Like I was telling my niece the other day, uh, she's, she's grad, you know, it hits everybody in different ways. This pandemic, she's, she's graduating. She's graduating with all like top honors and getting special awards and prom and everything. And she's down and out. And I said, there is, there is a light. We, this will be over. And it was yeah. going to be a light. Uh, she's like, where is it? I says, I just don't see it yet. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, but uh, that was a few weeks ago. I'm starting to see it now. New York numbers are improving quite a bit Every, for 10th, 10th thing in a row. New York numbers have improved quite a bit. And uh, I think we'll be out of this soon. Uh, and it's going to make, um, I think it's going to make family stronger. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to make, uh, I, I almost feel like it was maybe a little bit of a reality check. Like I know for me personally, just, you know, you take a lot of things for granted, like, you know, just can go race whenever you want, go out to dinner whenever you want, go, you know, you just do whatever, whenever you want, basically. And right. it just kind of um, hit home for me, like what's really important in family and friends and, you know, things like that. So I, I definitely think it's, it's going to change uh, me personally, but I think it's going to change a lot of people, but in the long run, uh, I think we'll come out stronger. So. Yep. No doubt about it. Cool. All right. Well, thanks Pete. I appreciate, uh, you coming on today and, uh, I don't know, maybe we'll have to do this again. So we, we need to figure out how we can do the, like the R rated Bertozzi version of yeah. this. Well, Bertozzi, <laughs> Bertozzi slash Kyle version. If I saw mixing in two and Domino, those yeah. three, I can probably have, you know, I, I can probably have an audience for hours. With right. those stories, uh, but, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to figure that out somehow. Yeah. I'm not sure how we'll do that, but we'll, we'll work on it. So cool. All right. Well, thanks Pete. And thanks everybody for watching. All right. Take care. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. 
Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.